someone thought that Jesus took the light. And they didn't understand the scriptures that he left the light. And we are that reflection of Jesus. And so it is good to be within the light of Jesus Christ. It's great to see if you're here tonight, both members and visitors alike. Let's go, please, to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We, we love you. We thank you so very much for blessing us and for keeping us. Lord God, here's another day. And here in this day, we pray that we have been able to rejoice in your name and to remember Jesus who died on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper and this hour, Lord God, to come. Pray, Lord God, you'll bless those who partake to do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we who are now partaking, who partook this morning, help us to be able to reflect on that great sacrifice that was made in our behalf. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' holy name, be thy will. Amen. We're going to John chapter 13. We're talking about closing out Peter with the apostles and how um, Peter, his, he struggled at times because of his lack of understanding, right? He just, you know, Jesus was, and the teaching of Jesus were, were, were different. And so, you know, to grasp that, sometimes Peter didn't quite get a good understanding of what it was that Jesus was doing or, or saying. And so I'm going to the foot washing in chapter 13 in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself about. And then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And also he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? You know, it's like, you know, Peter, just pause for a moment and just thinking this is the master teacher. I can't let the master can't let God wash my feet. And Jesus, verse 7, answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you shall understand thereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet, Jesus. Answered him. Excuse me, I ran that together. Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And so, you know, this idea, wash me all over, Jesus, because I want to be with you. And he meant that, right? He meant that he really wanted to be with Jesus. But Peter had some growing to do. And, you know, one of the tough things about growing is growing comes with growth pains. Sometimes we've got to struggle a little bit to grow, right? So I want to show you this, uh, you know, this whole scene, uh, if you will, in Peter's life as, as he begins to venture toward the denial of Jesus. And I want to show you the perfect storm in Peter's life. I want to show you kind of how Satan works in our lives. Let's go to Matthew 26. And how we put two things together and they can really, really bring destruction in our lives. And those two things are our confusion and curiosity. Right? I'm going to show you how confusion and curiosity got the best of Peter and it got him into trouble. But watch how the storm 
bruise, if you will. And it's kind of interesting also that Peter's uh, life, Jesus is walking on the water during the storm, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you command that I come out to you. And, and now Peter's going to have his own personal storm. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 31. There the Bible says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after that, I have been raised. I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. What's the first problem there? There's pride, right? A little bit of pride. I mean, they may fall away, Jesus, but oh no, but I'm, I'm Cephas. I'm, I'm Simon. I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You've got me, Lord. In fact, I got a sword that says I'll go nowhere. It goes on to say, But Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, this very night before a cock crows, you shall deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. So all the other disciples are following this and going, whoa, no, wait a minute, Jesus. We're not going to leave you. Now, I believe, and you have to look at the text and ask yourself, do you believe that they were sincere when they said, we're never going to leave you? I, I don't know. I believe they were. I believe they were sincere, but it's, it's the way life happens that sometimes it catches us blind. Turn to Luke, please, chapter 22. And when it catches us blind, we find ourselves in trouble. You know, when things don't go quite the way you expected them to, we find ourselves wrestling with life, trying to figure things out. What am I going to do now? And sometimes we become a little frantic and we get beside ourselves for just a moment. And it's not until we regain our composure that we're able to step back from a situation and take a good, honest look at it, and then formulate a plan that glorifies God. There's some confusion that happens in our lives sometimes. And, and Jesus warned Peter, and he said, this is what's happening in your life in the next, com- next couple of hours. This is what's coming your way, Peter. Luke 22 and verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Now, to me, I might have asked the question, Lord, why me? Lord, can you stop him? God doesn't stop him. You know, God lets it, God lets it happen. In verse 32, Jesus says, but I've, I prayed for you. Well, I mean, yeah, but you're God. Can't you stop it? Peter, you've got to work out some wrinkles in your life. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, it reminds me of the book of Job, because in the, the conversation that Jesus gives the answer to, notice the affirmative in which Jesus speaks. The power of the prayer of Jesus simply means, Peter, you're not going to fail. You're going to struggle. And you're going to deny me. But you're not going to fail. Because Jesus says, and when you have, and when you have, then go strengthen your brethren. And so it's like Job, the book of Job. It reminds me of so many passages in the Old Testament where people of God go through some very difficult times, but God says, I'm with you, right? Like Joshua, when he said, go out, be strong, be very strong, be very courageous. Joshua still had to go fight the fights, right? He didn't do it perfectly, but at least you got to show up for the fight. And so in life, that's what has to happen. We have to show up for the fight. There are going to be some very difficult Days. Let's turn to John 18, please. Some very difficult days or this very difficult 
period of time that Peter's about to go through, and it is going to be tough. John 18, Peter meant what he said. In verse 10, Simon Peter, therefore, having a sword. Remember when all the people came? Peter drew his sword. He had a sword. He drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. And you know, you, you, can, you know how that looks, right? That Peter grabs his sword and you can see Malchus, you know, he ducks. And I me, mean, I think without a shadow of a doubt, Peter was aiming to cut the guy's head off or, you know, finish him off because he said, Lord, I'll die with you. And he meant it. He meant it. There was a big army. It was a fierce army. And yet, yet Peter was the one who drew his sword because Peter was sincere when he said, Lord, I'll die with you. But here's where it became difficult. When Jesus answered and said to him, Jesus therefore said to Peter, Put the sword into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? And Jesus authorized them to have that sword. And Peter was going to use the sword, because why do you have a sword if you're not going to use it? And this is the battle, Jesus. This is the time. This is it. But now Peter is confused, because wait a second. Jesus, you, we need to fight, right? Because that's how we think as humans. You've you got to fight, right? And Jesus is going to do something. He's going to take one sword and we're going to win the battle. And it doesn't happen the way Peter thinks it's supposed to happen, right? And you can see Simon the Zealot saying, yeah, this is it. This is the battle. No, it's, this is not the way it's going to happen. So there's a lot of confusion going on. There's this perfect storm that is, is brewing in, in Peter's life. Turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 26, please. Matthew chapter 26. And let's look at verse, verse 55. Matthew 26 and verse 55. At this time, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as against the robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching you, and you did not seize me. But all this is taking place at the scripture the prophets may be fulfilled. And all the disciples left him and fled. And those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. But Peter also, here's the curiosity, followed, was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest and entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. And so here's Peter with this curiosity saying, I know at some point Jesus is going to do something, right? He's, he's God. We believe. We are sure and we know. We know you're God. We know you have the answers to life. We know there's no way that they're going to win. But what happens when you have hope deferred, right? You know, you have these high hopes that something's going to happen and it happens, but not quite the way you thought. It was going to happen. And what do you do with that? So Peter is following closely and he's, and he's looking in. He's peeking in to see what's going to happen. And, and he's, he's surprised because, well, they're beating Jesus. They're, they're mistreating Jesus. They're, they're abusing Jesus. And, and he's letting them do it. And Peter has to be thinking, at some point, Jesus is going to stand up and, or, or maybe he's going to put them to shame. And he's going, 
He's going to do something, right? And in the mind of Peter, as he sees this, they do nothing, or Jesus does nothing. And so Peter, in his, in his curiosity and his confusion, is looking, he's peeking through to see what's going to happen to Jesus. And then verse 69 comes along. He's peeping in, he's looking. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a certain servant came to him and said, You too are with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about, because see, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And then that doubt comes in. Is, is he, are you the one? Are you, are you the one? Why is this going on? And, and now they're going to take me in there. And they're going to beat me too, Lord. And, or maybe Peter was thinking, I, that Jesus is not the one that we're fighting for. Something is wrong. And Peter is struggling. And he says, I don't know who he is. And Peter's trying to figure this out. What is going on? And the text says, and when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him. And, and notice what he's doing. He's, kinda, he's trying to get away. You ever thought about that? You realize he's sitting there, right? He's watching. He's curious. He's confused, right? There's a lot of bewilderment in his mind right now. He, he's just, and then he's like, I, I got to get out of here. And on his way out, he's going to the gateway. And then someone else grabs him, the Bible says. And said to those who were with him, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And so, you know, you can imagine him just trying to get away. And, and he gets a moment. He stops and he's wondering, what is going on? What's going on? A little later, a bystander came up and said to Peter, he thought, he thought it was okay. I'm, I'm free now. I'm clear. No, a little later, somebody else comes up. And says to him, surely you two are one of them, for the way you talk gives you away. See, he's been talking, he's talking his way out of it. And then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And Amelia cock crowed. I know how to get out of this, right? Talk like a sailor. I'm a sailor, I've always been a sailor. I know how to get out of this. Just talk like the world. Because you said the way I talk. I talk like Jesus. But now I need to talk like the world. And Peter remembered the word which the Lord said. Before a cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter. Right? One of the apostles struggled in his walk of faith. But Jesus knew that Peter was much stronger than he thought he was. And thought of himself. And I want us to grab, if you will, the last half of this lesson. To think about and understand what God saw and sees in you. Right? So the apostles. The apostles. Peter was significant. And what God can do with all this mess, right? When you look at preacher, all this mess. What God can do is take all this mess and turn it into something beautiful. I'm going to come back and grab that in just, in just a second. But John chapter 20, if you will. John chapter 20. Look at the resurrection scenes. All this happens and Jesus is crucified and times go by. Hours have gone by. And then Jesus is in the grave and now Jesus has risen from the grave. And in John 20, listen to what is said about Peter. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. And while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter 
to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Why did she go to Peter? Right? Something about Peter that Peter doesn't see in himself, but the Lord clearly saw it. Mark chapter 16. Peter was very important in the spread of the gospel to the lost and dying world and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and our God. In Mark 16 and verse 4, the Bible says, and looking up, this again is the resurrection scene, they saw that the stone had been already rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazareth, who has been crucified. He has arisen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Who, who's struggling right now? Peter. He denied the Lord. And, and the angel, if you will, by direction of God, says, Peter, we're not done with you yet. I told you Satan was trying to sift you. I, I want you to go and talk to Peter. Make sure Peter knows that this is exactly the way it was planned. Go and tell Peter he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he said to you. And so Romans chapter 8 now, if you will. And so what God is doing is God is showing us and demonstrating to us that in our lives, we may not have been uh, the best, you know, Christians in our earlier years, and perhaps even we're struggling now. But if you will just let God and let go, God will take the good that he sees in you, that he saw in you, when you answer the gospel call. You answer the call of the gospel that Jesus Christ to be saved, to surrender to the Lord. And God allowed you to hear that call and answer that call. And God put you in the church. Remember 1 Corinthians 12? He added you to the church exactly where he wanted you because he knew what you were capable of. He knows who you are. And he took Peter and he made that rough man into an amazing apostle that we can look at and we can follow as he follows Jesus. Romans 8 and verse 26, the Bible says to us, And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. But we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so God took all that mess we've been looking at over the last two weeks that Peter was involved in and turned it into something beautiful. And listen to Peter. Listen to Peter on the day of Pentecost. We'll look at that next week. Listen to Peter. Look at Peter now, right? Look at what happens when God gets a hold of you and you let go, right? When you give yourself to the Lord. God, through these trials, you know, why did God do this? You know, why didn't God stop? Turn to James chapter 1, please. Why didn't God stop it? Why, you know, my question, my prayer would have been, Lord, stop this. But no, no, the Lord won't stop it. He'll pray for you. He already did in John 17. Sometimes, church, we have to recognize 
understand and accept that in order for God to mocha, uh, excuse me, mold us and make us, that's a new word, right? Mold, mold and make together. In order for God to, to make us and mold us, we got to go through some stuff, right? Got to go through some stuff. It's the trials, when you come through the trial, you're stronger than you were before the trial. And then that trial that you've gone through and you conquered through the grace of God, now you're strong enough for the next one to come because Satan's not going to stop. And then what's going on in our lives today and what was going on in our lives yesterday is going to continue until we get home to be with God because Satan's always striving to sift us, to destroy us. And James tells us in chapter 1 in verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. It doesn't feel good, but there's something God's doing for us in the trial. Look at Peter. Verse 3 says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But in order to be perfect, 1 Peter, please, chapter 1, and complete and lacking in nothing, you got to go through some stuff. Right? And then Peter, from his own mouth, as he remembers back to those days, he says to us in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 6, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you can imagine Peter is thinking about the time he went out and he wept bitterly and Jesus looked at him. Or because Jesus looked at him. And he realized what he had done. And he realized that he was very, very confused. But God wasn't. God had it all taken care of. Sometimes I'm confused. I think about the world. I think about, well, okay, what's going on? And, and how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do that? And, and Lord, there's COVID. And what, what are we going to do about it? And, people, and then God says, calm down. I'm, I'm in control. I've got this. And I have to remind myself to trust the Lord because the Lord has it. And so Peter remembers those times and he says, don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. And then he says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and uh, verse 12, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Again, remembering the sifting, right? This isn't strange. Verse 13, but to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Just, just hold on. Just hold on to Jesus. Confusion and curiosity can sometimes get the best of us. Right? And, and Peter, not remembering, let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 16, that that. What Jesus was saying to Peter is that these things are going to happen to fulfill the Scriptures. And he stepped away for just a moment in, in, his, in his listening, if you will, attentively to Jesus. He stepped away for just a moment, and he didn't hear that. Peter, it's been prophesied that this is the way it's got to be. And Peter 
try to, in his own mind, debunk, if you will, the prophecy. And so Jesus says to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. See, you, you can't fight God. And this is the way that God has allowed for our lives to go. And so we have to rejoice in it and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I know that you do. And so I surrender my life to you, whatever it may be, whatever may come its way. There's something about Peter that was so important, and God saw it. And God revealed to Peter things that Peter himself didn't quite understand, even about himself. In Matthew 16, in verse 13, And now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea and Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, Peter got that. And why did Peter get it? Because he was smarter than the rest of the apostles. No, that wasn't it. Jesus tells us. He said, blessed are you, Simon but Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Peter, listen. You're going to struggle. But I'm going to bring you through it. When I bring you through it, I want you to remember, people are going to be looking to you as a stone to give them strength. People are going to be looking at you, Peter, as a pillar of the body of Christ. Can you handle it? Not now. But after a little while, you're going to suffer a little bit. You're going to be stronger than you ever thought you would be. And so with that in mind, I close in Ephesians chapter 3. And so in our lives, God wants to use us. And as God used the apostles, as God uses other children of God, are we willing and ready to allow God to use us in whichever way he sees fit. Ephesians 3 and verse 8. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. That tells me that like Peter... God says, I got something for you all. Only you. The world can't have it. I've got something for you. The church. I'm giving you something that the world cannot have. And that is, the manifold wisdom of God is now being made known through you, the church, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Something I don't even know anything about. The heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus the Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through him in faith. And so God has some message to the heavenly places that he's revealing to them through you. You're much more important to God than maybe you thought you were in the past. Every one of us. And it's not just the heavenly places. As you read on, God wants to use us as vessels of honor. God saw more in us 
than we sometimes see in ourselves. God sees more in me than I see in myself. God knows what I'm capable of. God knows where I'm holding back. God knows where I'm weak. And God knows where the strength that uh, he has supplied is inside of me. But I don't always see it. And sometimes it means I may have to go through a few things for God to wake me up, for me to see what he's done for me and where he wants me to be. Tonight, church, remember that the Bible tells us that we're to rejoice. Find the joy in knowing that God is making us and molding us into the people and the person that he wants us to be. And we have an example. We can look at the apostles. And in particular, we can look at Peter. And we can watch how God takes all that mess in Peter's life and all the trouble and all the trials and all the struggle that he got himself into, himself into. And yet God made him into the man that he is and the man that we read about. And we can say, wow, God, thank you. Tonight, maybe there's someone that would like God to use you in a way that brings glory to his name. If you'd like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, the opportunity is here before you. Tonight, if you're struggling in your faith, the door is open. Here's the opportunity. Now is the time. Today is the acceptable day to repent if necessary. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.